Good afternoon, Ryan. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, good afternoon. Happy Facebook Friday, September 11th edition. Kind of crazy. Yeah, 9-11, all the reminders of that. Yeah. So I fun. think we can all go back to the, the moment all that happened, right? And go right back to uh, where we were. Like, seemed pretty surreal. And here we are in another surreal kind of situation in the middle of a pandemic, just yeah. a few years down the road. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so Ray Dalio in his book, he likes to analyze things and he, he likes to compartmentalize them and say, oh, it's another one of those. Right. So it's a pandemic, right? It's an emergency. It's, it's another one of those. It's another one just, of those. Yeah. Just all these years later. So thankfully, um, you know, not all at once and not as depressing and all of those things, but here we are. Yeah. Um, so we took, I took last week off um from facebook friday and we've had some pretty interesting changes happen um i'm starting to see a lot of um people come to the end of their initial forbearance timeline that they set up um and i'm seeing some really mixed things with that some interesting things and some sad things um but let's I, i'm sure you've seen it too so what what have you seen if anything, the last couple of weeks uh, with regards to people coming out of forbearance. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's interesting now, as we're doing more applications, we're seeing a lot of people that haven't made a payment since March, April, May. I mean, they've, they've kind of taken advantage of that forbearance that was allowed to them without any kind of a credit hits. These are credit reports we're looking at, you know, maybe people are looking at refinancing um, and, and we're pulling up that credit and the scores are looking solid except on the credit report, the date of last activity is March, it's April, it's like there hasn't been any payments since then. Yeah. And so as we're talking to them, you know, one of the things that comes up, uh, one, one example in particular this week was, you know, kind of older couple, retired, couple hundred thousand dollars in equity, and okay. they're looking at like, what do we do? Do we, do we take this forbearance and, and this loan mod that was presented to them? So the bank basically said, look, you haven't made a payment since March. We've extended this a couple of times. We're going to go ahead and, uh, and push this whole thing out a little bit. Um, we're going to put all those back payments on the back end of the loan, mm -hmm. right? So we're going to take it. We're going to, we're going to send the paperwork out this weekend. You got to sign it and notarize it. Well, it kind of triggered them to think about it and say, is that our best option? You know, what, what do we, what do we want to do? Um, should we refinance? And they didn't think they could. Credit was a little impacted from some other things, not related to the mortgage. Yeah. Um, but we were able to kind of break that down for them and say, look, the, the mod cures all those past payments. So then you just kind of start again. But the modification was only taking those payments and sticking them on the back of the loan. Yeah. That mortgage was going to remain the same. So that monthly payment that was hard for them in March, and again, this mm -hmm. is a fixed income household. So yeah. What's changing for October or November or December? Nothing. It's literally the same for them. Yeah. And they hadn't necessarily been taking all that money and like reallocating it to knocking out some other liabilities. It was just sort of like, hey, this is a kind of a free ride here. We're going to take, we're going to take it. Yeah. So we looked at it and in their specific situation, a refinance made sense. So how did we do that? Well, they got to make those payments current. They got to bring that loan totally current. And if they do that before the physical application with us, mm -hmm. we're just kind of doing an initial look at this stage. As long as they do that and they bring it forward and it's current, 
refinance is good to go. We don't have to source all the money. I mean, they could literally, if they don't have it in the bank, they could throw it on a credit card if they had to, right? Yeah. But but the point is the, the refinance for them made more sense because it was, yeah, they were going to have to spend some money and get those payments all brought current, six months worth of mortgage payments. That's a lot of money. Yeah. However, they were going to save, I think it was like $420 a month. It was a pretty significant amount of money. So when you're fixed income, it's like getting a raise. All that money now is, is savings. You don't have to have that. How much was their mortgage before? Um, you know, they didn't owe a ton. So I think they were in the, the 1280 range per month and we were getting them down close to uh, $800 or so. Dude, that's so insane. Big, big difference, right? So for this family, it made a lot of sense. And you know, after talking to them for a minute, they didn't realize like they were kind of running a little risk. So yeah. they got 200 grand in equity. They haven't made a payment in six months. If they were stubborn and said, no, I'm not going to sign that loan mod. I don't want to do that. Yeah. And let's say the credit was such that they couldn't refinance. Like now they're in a bind. What do they do? They'd have to sell the house. Well, if they waited too long, they could get into a notice of default mm -hmm. and then a notice of sale. So as this kind of develops for multiple households. One thing that you want to watch is you don't want it to get, you want to kind of get a plan in place early because you don't want to get down the road and find out what's this letter right here. I mean, a lot of the stuff that people are getting in the mail is very foreign to them. They've never seen anything like loan modification paperwork. If you read through that, it's kind of confusing. It's not like a easy read, you know, and there's a lot of scams out there, right? So and there's scams out there, right? So, so these are people that could potentially fall victim either of not fully understanding what they're signing or what their uh, what their options are, or yeah. scammers that are trying to do stuff. I mean, they're getting calls somehow or another from people that are going, "Hey, uh, sell us the house. We'll let you rent it back." And these are like investors trying to be a little dirty and uh, get a deal on these properties. You know, give somebody fifty grand, and then you can stay in the house for free for a year. And when you're a little older, you go, hey, "That sounds pretty good." Yeah. Yeah, a couple hundred grand in equity. Why would you do that? Like, doesn't make any sense to me. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, and I don't know if you're getting calls on it, like, hey, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to sustain this long term. Doesn't look like our income is fully coming back to where it was. Mm -hmm. Should we sell? Are, are you seeing anything like that on your side? Because we're we're definitely getting out of the refinance inquiry. So I've got one right now that is, we just started the short sale process. Which here we go, right? It's been mm -hmm. years probably in three or four years since I've done a short sale right. and it was probably like, I don't know, five before that. Um, and then we did hundreds of them in the down market, but. Um, so in short sale, they kind of clarify, I mean, so they, they owe more than what the home was worth, right? Yeah. Okay. And even and in this, this market, they're yeah. still upside down. Yeah. Even right now with record okay. high pricing. Right. Um, well, so let me back up. He could sell and break even if all of the stars aligned, the problem that we have is that it was a rental property wow. and the tenant had stopped paying rent in like January and he had started the eviction process and the courts closed. Yeah. And he still has a mortgage payment on there. And so he uh, did file for forbearance and he did it in April and so we just got the short sales process started this week because we had turned in all the paperwork, but his bank um, last week or the week before told me, they're like, hey, we can start the process right now if you really want to. However, if you wait until the 7th, um, 
the forbearance package and and they didn't even need his approval for this like you said earlier with the loan modification which is interesting and also scary because all of the banks are doing whatever they want to do and it's not right just go rogue and go hey there's a package coming in the mail sign it yeah so well, but that was a loan explain. mod that they had to get notarized and yeah. right this bank just said hey if you wait until the seventh we're going to go ahead and automatically without any approval required take those three payments and stick them on the back end, you know, for the seller. And I was like, well, we're trying, we've got an offer, we're in escrow, like we're trying to sell it, like, and it's a short sale. So he's not gonna make any more money. That doesn't really matter to us. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, it will, because once we move those payments, there's no uh, dings on the credit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, none at all. They're like, nope. Anyway, so all of that happened. And I called uh, Tuesday or Wednesday this week to get an update and for people that don't know on the short sale for the agent side, when we're calling in, it it's the same number that the consumer calls. And so if you called to make a payment, it says like, oh, you have however many payments outstanding and it was due on this day for this amount. They said you have you know one payment that's due from five days ago in this amount. So they completely wiped out those three. His credit isn't taking a hit on those three, which kind of doesn't matter still because of the short sale is going to wreck his credit anyway. But, but it could have though. I mean, if you think about, if we go all the way back to the beginning of this, you know, this is all things that happened kind of pre-COVID, yep. ran into COVID, kind of the perfect storm where this person now couldn't go to the court, couldn't get the eviction going. Normal situation, that credit's destroyed by now. Oh yeah. Right. You got like six months of mortgage payments that are missed. You know, you're, you're, you got a notice of sale on your door, you know, telling you, Hey, this thing's going to court by this date. However, they've got that moratorium on the eviction mm -hmm. and in on the foreclosure process. So that's kind of a saving grace. And, and to be able to come out of that, honestly, at the end of the day, unscathed from a credit standpoint, once that individual is kind of back on their feet, yeah can go be a, a buyer again in the future if they really wanted to, right? So I mean, super interesting with this guy, he did receive a notice of default and a notice of sale like, mm. like three weeks ago. And I was kind of like, that's interesting, right? There's a moratorium, but whatever. Anyway, um, but again, like the whole going rogue thing, like there's not a, you know, system that all of the banks have to follow. You know what I mean? There's not a model that they have to follow. So that's going to be fun moving forward. But anyway, it's so not unified. No, not at all. It, yeah, it's, it's not standardized. It's, yeah. So, so for people now back to the, you know, what we started with, like, if you're coming to the end of your forbearance period, what are your options? And you mentioned that one, you can do the loan modification if the bank will allow it, or if they even make you do it, or if they just passively do it like this bank was doing. Um, and the people that you were talking to, like they ended up doing a refinance which is new rate and term, mm -hmm. not a loan modification for their existing loan that would just append or extend their mortgage, right? And for them that cut their payment by a third. And when you're on fixed income, that's amazing. That was a big deal. Yeah. And we'll end in their good position too. You know, you said they had a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of equity. You know, so, so I've had situations like that. I've, I've when the market was down, we um, had gotten foreclosure properties that had like crazy low balances. Like I had one that the loan yeah. balance was like $18,000 and mm -hmm. 
And even when the market was tanked, we still sold it as a foreclosure beat up for like 80. Right. And anyway, so it, what happened on those is that somebody got so far behind that they couldn't get caught back up. Right. Because it, yeah. when those sales come out, they weren't really modifying that stuff. And at that point, banks like, look, if you don't pay us our stuff, like let's foreclose on it. Yeah. We're not going to take a loss. There's equity here. Just, we'll, we'll resell that thing real quick. There's really no reason for them. They don't have to do a modification and put those missed payments on the back end of the loan. That's like by their good grace to be able to offer something like that. So I, I saw that too. I mean, going back to when, when things were kind of, you know, depressed, you know, if we look back to like 08, 09, mm-hmm. there were homes that were, were being sold that had, there was equity that I'm like, why is this a foreclosure? I don't understand. Like, why didn't they just sell it and get out? And the person was apparently they were still alive. So it wasn't like there was deceased and there was just empty money. It was just either, either lack of, you know, knowledge or, or advice was really poor. And and, you remember back then, I mean, there was some, some advice going around. It was a little shifty. It was like, Oh no, you can't sell the house because the condition is this. And, and then on, on the the left-hand side, their best friends, the investor who's going to buy it from them real quick. Like there was some shadiness going on. Oh, right? yeah. So yeah. Buy it um, and then sell it back to them. You know, sell it back short to sell. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. One story sticks out of my head like crazy. It was over by Sky Tower Park and it was a Bank of America loan. And the guy was a teacher for LA high school district or LA union school district. And he was 25 years in on his loan. He had five years left to pay it off. There was equity, even when the market was tanked. And I had talked to him about doing a short sale before it became a foreclosure. And then by chance, the property got assigned to me as a foreclosure later. And that guy was just hard headed. He was like, nope, there's no way they're taking this house from me. I've paid on it for 25 years. I'm like, they're going to (laughs) like, and I think he was going to make like eighty or ninety thousand dollars if he sold it. Um, and the next time I saw him was like two weeks before Christmas, before the banks had grown hearts at that point. Because you remember later they had stopped doing things around holidays. Yeah. Um, it was like two weeks before Christmas. I had to show up with uh, cash for keys, and it was like twenty five hundred bucks. And that was a fun conversation to have. That, now, that's what he got to walk away with, right? I mean, well, kind of. So. <laughs> And you'll, you might know more about this than me, um, but from what I understand, so the bank, when they sell the property at auction, um, if there is, if they, if it sells for more than the, what the loan amount was or the current balance, plus all the attorney's fees and everything, yeah. um, if it sells for more than that, after they nickel and dime the thing to death with all of the fees, if there's money left over, it does go back to the owner. But again, so there, got- there's some truth to that. It it's so in that scenario, if it was like 90 grand, I mean, it, it erodes really fast. Oh yeah. When they, when they stick 60 grand in attorney fees on top of that, and you know, it's just these things that don't exist when you just sell the house in general. Yeah. Um, uh, plus all their sales costs, plus their loss, like they just start to pack it all in. Yeah. Uh, they go through that uh, equity position really fast. Oh, for sure. But I think that that guy did end up getting a couple grand more months later on top of the 2,500 bucks. But anyway, um, so people and their options, right? You can do the loan mod. uh, You can do a refinance. 
or you can sell the property. And I think that that's probably a hard decision for a lot of people to make. Um, if they're sitting on like, like that couple, if they're sitting on a couple hundred thousand dollars in equity, but they're, did, we, did you say they were retired and that's why they were fixed income? Yeah, retired. So and that, that's not always the case. You know, sometimes we've got folks that are just waiting to kind of get back in the swing of things, or maybe their job has opened up, but it's on a partial, mm-hmm. you know, instead of full-time plus overtime, they're, they're working part-time hours now. So the incomes may be a little bit different. I think for everybody's situation, what you have to look at is um, get in front of it early. Don't yes. just pretend it doesn't exist. Like get out there, talk to the bank a little bit, you know, find out what their options are. What, what's going to happen if you're early in the foreclosure or the uh, forbearance process, ask them, hey, when this is over, do I have to bring it all current? Do you put it on the back end? Do you split it up over the next 12 months? Like, what is it that my options are? So you know, if those options don't seem to fit, can I refinance? Do I have, you know, do I have room there? Does it make sense? Um, and if that doesn't fit and it doesn't look like your income is coming back or bouncing back to where it needs to be, yeah, got to look at sale options. I mean, it, it's probably the last thing people want to really do, unless you were kind of already in the, on the fence anyways with... Uh, yeah with the house, but I mean, right now these things are moving still really quickly. I mean, we're starting to enter into, you know, what we consider the slower months. However, they're still moving and there's still multiple offers. So, I mean, these things are going pretty fast. Well, and even if in that position you had to sell it slightly below market just to get ahead of any credit impacts, right? From the late payments and say those people only made 180,000, like that's better than nothing. (laughs) You know, that's true probably the single largest windfall of cash that they received in their life. Um, But I think maybe for a lot of people right now, especially locally, if they plan on staying, the hard thing, you know, the hard pill to swallow is rents are out of control right now. Right. And, you know, if they were paying, you said like 12, 1300 bucks. Yeah. They're not finding rent at the house. If they can find an apartment, it'll be that much. And and even those, I don't know if you've looked recently, those are very hard to find right now. I think when, when I looked recently, I want to say it was uh, you know, two bedroom apartments in, in a fairly decent area. We're close to 1600, if I remember correctly. Um, and, and you and I can go back and go, oh, yeah, I used to get that for a grand or 1200 yeah. bucks. I mean, things were cheap for a while, but, but look, I mean, to, to the point of just general time. Mm-hmm. Look at how many years ago 9-11 was. Like yeah. to me, I, I saw the dates on that. I thought, well, 2011 seems like yesterday. No, it's, it's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so time goes by, and that that also kind of leads into just general inflation. I know that came up at one yeah. point, you know, talking about hey, inflation's kind of ticking up a little bit. It's really, really small increments of inflation. It's just moving a little bit. Yeah. But it moves a lot, it will at some point. We're, then we really feel it. We don't just feel it with, uh, you know, the In-N-Out burger, the number one for $9 now. I used to pay six bucks for it. Yeah. Fill it with rent, fill it with gas, fill it with anything that we buy. Um, but if your option is to cash out and have that money, you could kind of erode that a little bit by letting that supplement your life. So you use some of that to help pay for, you know, rent until you can figure out your next option. Yeah. Maybe that next option is to buy something just a little bit cheaper. Move that money into a big down payment. Maybe it's to buy something outright. Maybe somebody has enough cash where they can go and they can buy something a little smaller. Um, these are good things to kind of think about while you're in that kind of free space with the, yeah. the forbearance. Um, and 
So if somebody was in forbearance, let, let's say my couple here, they were in forbearance, they did not want to do a refi, they decided, you know, we're going to, we're, we're bailing, we're going to go downsize, we want to buy something cheaper, we're just going to sell, cash out, get, get as much money as we can. When you close on that purchase, um, that sale, here's the, the back payments, okay, so it's part of that payoff demand. So they don't necessarily have to write a big check to, to get all those current, yeah. Some people think you do, and that's not the case, it's going to be part of the payoff demand, and there's no credit impact. Um, however, if you exceed the forbearance, you don't make a decision, there could be a credit impact. So again, we're trying to get in front of people to say, look, just come up with an idea, face, face the music. If it's something that you have a decision you have to make, yes or no, do it now, kind of tease out all the ideas, talk to a lot of people, talk to, to realtor, talk to a lender, talk to your current mortgage servicer, find out what they're offering and what they suggest yeah. and then do what feels right for you. Um, but you, you got to do that stuff early. If you, if you miss it, I mean, it, the longer you wait, your options start to shrink. And, and it becomes costly. And it can become costly. And we know just in our world, when, you know, when rates are low, it's easy for people to kind of wait and they're, oh, rates are still dropping. Maybe I'll refi next month. And if they're moving up, they want the refi done like yesterday. Yeah. I want that rate from yesterday or last week or the month before very different feel. It's the same way as your equity shrinks a little bit. Like let's say the market shifts a little bit and they're like, well, I was going to sell, but now I don't want to because I'm, I'm not making 200 anymore. I'm going to make like 150. Mm -hmm. So then they freeze. Well, then this is what happened when the market shifted. We watched people that were going to cash out a good amount of money and they were just, oh, I'm going to hold off a little bit. And then that, that 200 shrunk to 150 and then it shrunk to hundred and they were like, oh, want to do i don't know what to do yeah you just kept shrinking until like eroded the majority of what they had um but there's a lot of decisions a lot of opportunity to make decisions before that you just have to ask the right questions talk to the right people and get in front of the situation before it's too bad yeah for sure all right well you know that's kind of a, a heavy topic for the people that don't plan ahead right um not looking forward to a lot of those conversations. I mean, love to help people, but you know, I'm sure you're the same, like carry that weight with you sometimes, you know what I mean? Like you feel bad for people and we do our best to help them out, but it doesn't make it any more enjoyable. That's for sure. Um, it doesn't. And, and it's just part of it going, you know, in every household, just taking a check and saying, you know, Hey, we're our household income, our job stability, that's healthy. Mm -hmm. It's been compromised, unhealthy. You know, what is it? And and pivot. Yeah. Uh, I think you know. I was reading somewhere, and they were saying that there's a lot of people that you know, if they're this long into it, let's say they haven't worked since March. Mm -hmm. A lot of the the people there that are stuck in that, you know, not getting full back into their their original positions or the income maybe hasn't bounced back. Yeah. Um, most of them are looking at a pivot. They're looking at uh, just like, what else am I going to do? Maybe I'll yeah. shift. Maybe I'll do this other job or maybe I'll start my business like I always wanted to, or they're, they're looking at other ways and they've had time to kind of reevaluate. You know, do I want to go back into that same position or that same job? Um, so we, we've seen quite a few of that, like situations like that. Um, even talking with uh, clients who are refinancing, but the one person is working, the other one's not, was, they're not. And they're talking about, well, you know, leave this person off the loan because you know, he or she's not back to work yet. They're exploring other options right now. Uh, so it's just interesting to kind of hear how that's kind of going down. And that could be exciting. Like, yeah, maybe that's a gift for somebody who's who yeah. needed that position, did, was too afraid to make the leap. Now they Until made they the had leap. To. 
yeah, they find out, man, I really love this new, this new position or this job opened up in, you know, Northrop or something. It's fantastic. I always wanted that. And was too afraid to, to kind of go for it. Um, so it's kind of, it, it can yield some opportunity if you're looking for it. Mm-hmm. And open to it. <laughs> and if you're open um, to it. Right. And there's, I, I've had several clients recently that are staying in their same job with the same company and everything, but are looking at staying working remotely and moving out of state. Mm-hmm. And, and one of them works for LA County and moved to Denver and kept their job with LA County. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. That, that's interesting. a big community. <laughs> yeah. So that one. yeah. But anyway, so it, it's, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of positive to be found in all of this yeah. for the people who are open to change and, and look for it. Right. Um, anyway. Um, so outside of forbearance, is there anything else, um, that you can measure with data, right? Um, that has changed in the last couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, so, so a couple small things. Um, one of them would be, there was, there was a study that I just kind of got a report on and it was saying in August, um, how many tenants didn't make their full payment. So maybe they made partial or maybe they didn't make a payment at all. Yeah. And how many homeowners did not make a payment, whether they're in forbearance or not, but just in general, who missed housing? Yeah. Um, and that number was up. Uh, it was 29%, which seems crazy to me. I mean, it's a huge number. So I remember 29%. seeing that. And, and yes, that is a lot. But at the same time, I was surprised it was that low. If I'm being honest, like if there's people who, you know, because how many millions of people went into forbearance like immediately, right? It, like that was, there was like 10 million or something. Who I didn't need it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, so I assumed the same would happen with rent. Like, oh, cool. I don't have to pay. Owner can't make me. Courts are closed. Here we go, right? Um, So 29% is insane. And it could have been a lot worse. Um, I was listening to uh, Gary Keller earlier this week. I think I texted to you. Um, But he, he has three buildings that he owns in Austin that he's collecting little to no rent on. And in Austin proper, you know, those are very expensive buildings mm-hmm. and to not be collecting rent is pretty crazy. Thankfully he's, you know, in a good spot that that's not going to ruin him, but how many of those people aren't, you know, kind of like the short sale that I talked about earlier, you know, the guy, the tenant stops paying rent and now he's losing this property. So it's crazy. Um, yeah, and these are good lessons. I mean, so as a, as, you know, somebody who owns other property, myself, you know, as a landlord, I know you've, you've been a landlord as well. So it's it's good to kind of use uh, these unfortunate life lessons yeah. to go, all right, uh, if I'm going to do that, if I, if I have the dream of maybe owning a couple of properties as a rental, how much money do I need above and beyond what, what I think I need, yeah. right? So something happens. I mean, in, in our world, in a mortgage, if you're going to go out and buy an investment property, you got, let's say, 20% down payment to buy. So the bank wants you to have some skin in the game. Yeah. And on top of that, they go, we want to make sure you have six months mortgage payments sitting in the bank after your down payment, after your closing costs and everything, because we've got to make sure that we account for vacancy. And it's funny because a lot of people, we explain that to them and they kind of laugh like, oh, I'm not, I'll never have a vacancy. I'm good. Did they, or they always good? I mean, did somebody not pay? And if they didn't pay, can you, can you withstand six months of not receiving a penny on that property? 
and, and having to pay that. That's um, what they don't consider. Like they're like, no, those are old guidelines. Wait until all this is all done. And, and we see the real studies come forward and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac start introducing new ones. I mean, there's rumor of 12 months, uh, principal interest tax reserve, what we call PITI, yeah. mo full mortgage payment reserves to buy an investment property. So if you can imagine, now you got 20% down, now you got closing costs. And on top of that, you gotta have a whole year of payment just sitting in the bank, liquid, not just in a retirement account, like sitting there just doing nothing yep. to be able to close and qualify. It's not in place yet, but there's rumors, things that are maybe potentially coming down the road. Uh, and it's a result of what they see here. That's how guidelines come about anyways. Mm -hmm. They look at their book and they go, hey, we have a leaky spot over here. We got like this sector is more prone to not making a payment. We got to put a plug on that. How do we do it? Well, if we make it a little harder for them, okay, yeah, sounds good. So then they, they create these new guidelines or they move the FICO score requirements up, right? Yep. So um, it, the other thing too, that would be, you know, good to kind of, uh, just point out for people, if somebody's in the middle, like right now rates are good. They've been holding steadily kind of hitting these records. Like, Oh, this week is a record low. This week is a record low. They keep doing these things. At some point we hit that floor and we bounce mm -hmm. and we never come back. Okay. Yeah. So, or a guideline changes. And when that guideline changes, even if you used to qualify for that rate, you can't get it anymore. Yeah. So be careful with that. Or homeowners who are looking to buy and oh, kind of wait until November, oh, wait till December. If any of that stuff changes and you're not ready for it, now what you were qualified for before, you're not able to get anymore. So you have to kind of get out in front of it. Like right now we can predict, we know what the guidelines are. We know if somebody qualifies or not. Yeah. Got to make changes on that. You got to I wouldn't wait that long because I think some of the stuff is going to, it's going to shake up, especially as we have more data behind us. For sure. And recent experience with that for everybody was look at what happened. Um, maybe the beginning or middle of, you know, stay at home orders when they've raised the credit score requirements of like 700. And yeah. for yeah, us, we've a couple of banks did any grand more. Yeah. Like that was only a couple months ago. Yes, they loosened it but we saw how fast they implemented that. So they can do it again on the dime or just like the uh, cash out refinance, half a point fee. You know, they're just like, hey, starting tomorrow, right. we're going to do this. And That's, yes, they pulled back on it and it's coming back. Yeah. But That's any refi, uh, conventional. Conventional, any refi, half a oh, point extra cash out cost. Yeah, great in term too. Perfect. Want to move from a 30 year to a 15 year, there's still that extra half a point fee. That's coming forward. It's in it's in the system now for a lot of banks, and yeah. some banks are putting it in. Like we're going to probably see it this month. Um, some other banks are waiting until like first week of October. Very few banks are doing it after October because they need time to deliver those loans to Fannie Mae, and the deadline's like first of December. So, um, so that stuff's like right now. Doesn't impact uh, FHA. Doesn't impact VA, but yeah, conventional. It's going to be interesting. And again, we know that's, we know like our rates getting better. No, we know they're a half point higher in like a couple of weeks. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, they're going to be more expensive. Yeah. And then let the end of the year come and let things slow down and let more data come out. And like, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Anyway. Alrighty, sir. Well, thank you for that. And uh, if you guys have any questions about forbearance or options uh, coming out of it, um, or if you know of anybody who might be in forbearance and you think that they could use somebody to talk to to make sure they don't get in a bind,
please have them reach out to one of us um, or you reach out to us and you know we can kind of explain it to you if they don't want to be the one to do it and you can kind of pass that along um, but let's you know not let anybody let, not let any of us and not let any of our loved ones just bury their heads on this because this could become a real problem um, or really expensive at the least so yeah, and it, yeah. It, it doesn't cost anything. I mean, if somebody wanted to call you and go over that, no, 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 I meant charging them by the hour. We're not like an no. attorney or something. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I meant like equity loss and, you know, credit damage and stuff. Like right. That. You're right. Yeah. No, we're not charging anybody for advice. But I think it's a good thing to know. Like, if somebody wanted to block out some time to kind of discuss options, uh, it's free. There's no cost. And even yeah. if they decide, like, okay, I don't want to do anything with you, that's okay. Yeah. We're here to just provide value and, and advice yeah. and then, um, you know, let the consumer kind of make their decision on what works best for them. So for sure. Free education. Yep. So. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you, everybody. Ryan, thank you again for your time and you we'll see you guys next week. All right. Take care. Have a good Take Friday. Care. You too.